Pastor Ray Bentley takes us to the top of a mountain to witness the transfiguration of Christ. And all of a sudden, you see something changing in his face, and it begins, is that light? Is that fire? Oh my goodness, this is more than just a vision. It becomes reality. It looks like a star, and his face is just beaming as if at the center of the entire universe, the manifestation of the Shekinah glory of God. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. And maybe we have some food we want to store. We think it'll fit in the mid-sized storage container, but then we get surprised and it overflows. Well, trying to contain an infinite God in a finite world may cause some overflow as well. Maybe that's what Peter, James, and John saw that day when Jesus was transfigured. We are going to the, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. This is the story of Jesus' transfiguration. Beginning in verse 1, it says, And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that there are some standing here, he's talking to his disciples, who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now, it's clear he's talking to the disciples that are right there. Now, this has presented a problem for a lot of uh, commentators because what he seems to be saying is they, the disciples who were right there with him, are going to see the coming of the kingdom while they're still living. And so people go, wait a second, we know the whole story. Jesus goes to Jerusalem, he gets crucified. Yes, he's buried, resurrected, and then he goes up to heaven. So what does this mean that the kingdom is going to come. And so that's what this story is going to tell us. So let's follow along verses two and three. It says, now after six days. So now he's gonna explain, how are some of those living then going to see the kingdom of God? Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And then Elijah appeared uh, to them with Moses. Now we'll, we'll stop there for just a moment. So they're having this on this one day, Jesus is describing to them, some of you, are going to see the kingdom of God come before you die. And then after that day, six more days. So six plus one equals seven. Seven is a number of completion. So on the seventh day, we believe this promise of the revealed kingdom of God took place. They go up to a high mountain. Now there are some that would say there's a mountain in Israel. It's not really, really huge, but, um, and it's, it's uh, near Nazareth and they, it's called Mount Tabor. Some believe that it's Mount Tabor. But um, there are others who say, you know, that just the, the latest thing that happened where Jesus was uh, giving the disciples, you know, who do you say that I am? And kind of training them about now to be a disciple, you must, you know, carry your cross, was in a place called Caesarea Philippi. You remember that? 
And he said, who do you say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. That happened in Caesarea Philippi. And then right after that revelation where Peter confesses, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, wow, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father is in heaven. He has revealed it to you. You are Peter, a little rock, a stone, a little stone, but on this rock, a Petra, your confession, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Caesarea Philippi is, is in the foothills of another mountain that is the biggest mountain in Israel called Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is over 9,000 feet high, 9,200 feet somewhere in there high. It gets snow on it and occasionally people ski in Israel from Mount Hermon. Do you ever think of skiing when you go to Israel? So therefore, we believe that from Caesarea Philippi, they're already at this really huge mountain. Jesus says to three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, you guys come with me. And they go all the way up, over 9,000 feet to the top of the mountain. And there the Lord begins to be transfigured before them. Now, I want to give a word of encouragement to you. The whole word of God from Genesis to Revelation, I, I want to encourage you to read the Bible and the Word of God daily. Because this Word is alive. Every Word of God from Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and all the way to the very last verse of the book of Revelation. Sometimes we, we think that the, the Word of God is about what God said in the ancient past. What God did to you know, prophets and apostles long ago, and they're nice lessons so we can learn some principles and patterns for today. And yes, that is true. They are stories, they are illustrations, there are patterns and there are things that we can learn, but it's more than that. Anything that God has said never dies or goes away. Every word in the Bible is alive. Therefore, everything that God has ever said is living tonight. If I could give you a picture, it's like if, if every word of God around you, you know, your mind as you're reading the word, you are surrounded with the word of God and every word from Genesis to Revelation is there available to you for your mind as you read it and meditate upon it and pray upon it. And any given day, you can take any word of God. It's not from the past because it's living, breathing from the Spirit of God. And you can grab hold of that golden, glorious, powerful, living, burning word. And it's, it's for you now. It lives now. It's food now. It's strength now. Amen? Wow. So when we receive the word of God as personal to us from the Lord, that is when transformation comes. In other words, every story, every illustration is a word for us now. For instance, you're reading the story of Gideon. Gideon's, this guy is hiding, he's in a cave. Uh, the enemies of Israel are out there, you know, pushing them around. And this angel, this this gigantic angel comes up to this cowering Gideon, you know, who, who's like a little Barney Fife hiding in the, in the caves. He's standing there cowering like this. And the angel goes, imagine the angel like in awe of being in the presence of Gideon. Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Woo! 
And Gideon's looking around, where? <laughs> he goes, you. And Gideon's like, me? You, O thou mighty man of valor. And the story goes on. And then you read how Gideon went when God gave him the command and what he did, and he ends up, you know, he's going against tremendous odds, tens of thousands, whatever. And, and he starts with, you know, uh, this many, and he ends up with how many? 300 to go to battle. They're outnumbered. And to give him strength, this is what the, the Lord tells him, go in the strength you have, which wasn't a lot. It wasn't very much. So let's say you're doing a Bible study, you're reading, oh, Gideon, wow, that's really cool. Okay, great principles and, and really cool. But here's where the word of God ignites and turns into fire and flame and burns. You yourself living today in modern times or in a situation, you're overwhelmed, you're outnumbered, you're outgunned, you, you don't have the resource. And the word of God comes alive and says, oh, thou mighty man of God. And you sit there saying, I'm just having a Bible study, right? You know, reading a few little principles. What are you talking about? And the Lord's saying, you, you are a mighty, you are my mighty man. You are my Gideon. It was when Gideon, it wasn't like he felt like Superman uh, and then went out. He was still fearful, nervous. He had never done it before. He said, okay, here we go. I'm trusting in the Lord. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they went out with their pitchers and their lamps and flames and, and, and their uh, trumpets. And then when he saw what God did, then Gideon rose up powerfully and he entered into the destiny and the anointing and the calling that God had for him. But in the beginning, he just went with the strength that he had. So do you see what I'm saying? You can, that, that's a word, it's not just for Gideon. God told the story of Gideon because he knew he'd have millions of Gideons in the generations to come. And he says over and over, and he can say it here, and he can say it now, and he can say it tonight, oh, thou mighty woman of valor, you are my chosen vessel. Go in the strength you have. I'll do all the rest and do great and mighty things. So take the word of God and let it be personal. Now, here we're reading about Jesus, transformation. The, the, and this is what the Lord wants to do in our lives. The Greek word is metamorphosis. This was a supernatural transformation before their very eyes, Peter, James, and John. We enter into the story. We're on the top of this 9,000 foot mountain and we are looking at Peter, James, and John. You can see their faces as they're staring at Jesus who looks just like a man and all of a sudden you see something changing in his face and it begins, is that light? Is that fire? Is it burning? Oh my goodness, this is more than just a vision. It becomes reality. It looks like a star. Now it looks like the sun and his face is just beaming as if at the center of the entire universe. And then you look at his clothes and they go from white to lightning with fire and with glory. And all of a sudden, now you're entering into the whole experience. You are seeing that, that's what was happening. The manifestation of the Shekinah glory of God burning and shining through Jesus Christ. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. We love hearing when Maranatha Radio and Pastor Ray's teachings are impacting lives. Pastor Ray, I love your daily devotionals, especially your devotion on sharing our faith with others. I've been wanting to witness more about Jesus to my neighbors and friends, but I always get a little pushy. But your message was all about compassion, love, 
and gentleness. Thanks for a good lesson on how to reach others for Christ without driving them away. God bless you. And we're so glad that Pastor Ray's teachings are helping. Would you take just 60 seconds and write Pastor Ray an email and let him know how these studies in God's Word have encouraged you? You can send that email to ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now look with me in verse 4. Then Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. I think this is amazing. First of all, uh, the first thing that you note here is Moses and Elijah are dead, right? Not. They're alive. They are not dead. Those who believe in the Lord are alive. Moses is alive. Elijah, who was caught up in the fiery chariots, is alive. They are not dead. And these who are from the ancient past are standing with Jesus. And what are they talking about? They're talking about Jerusalem and when he goes to the cross. That's what the Gospels tell us. Wow. And so as they're, you know, Moses represents the law. Elijah was really the first of the prophets. He represents the prophets and all the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. And at that moment, here's what I think was going on in the mind of Peter, James, and John. What did Jesus just said a week ago? Some of you who are living now will not die before you see the coming of the kingdom of God. I believe that what Peter, James, and John thought was, woo, the kingdom, look at the king. They're gonna be falling on their faces. They didn't know that uh, this was going to change in just a moment. I think in their minds, it was, wow, if Jesus stays like this and we go down the mountain and we go to Jerusalem, the kingdom is here. So Peter's response, look with me in, in verse five. It says, then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. He didn't know what else. Hey, let's build three tabernacles. Now, for many years, I've heard uh, people, and I myself have said, oh, Peter, you know, he got caught up in the moment. He wants to just stay in this, you know, euphoria up above. But there's another way of looking at this. Peter's response was actually a very natural response for any believing Jew. If the kingdom of God has arrived, and there's the Messiah's face is shining like the sun, his clothing is like lightning, and the Shekinah glory is shining on him, that means the kingdom age is here. And, and the feast that they would celebrate is called the Feast of Tabernacles. That's the beginning of the millennial kingdom of God. And what do you do when it's the Feast of Tabernacles, when the Messiah is here upon the earth? You build these tabernacles, you build these huts. And that's what Peter was wanting to do. He was wanting, let's, let's fulfill tabernacles now, Lord. The millennial age has come. The kingdom age has come. And just when Peter is ready for that, the voice of God speaks. This is my beloved son. In verse 7 it says, And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. I mean, you know, that's pretty wild, isn't it? There's a cloud and then the voice, and it's God speaking through the cloud. Say, This is my beloved son. Hear him. And suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. 
So it was a shining of the kingdom and of the glory, but it did not remain. It was just for them. We read in Matthew chapter 17, verses 6 and 7, And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. In other words, guys, this is who I really am. And I'm letting you see it. And he basically tells them, don't tell anybody. Don't even tell the other disciples until after the resurrection. This is who I am, but why I came now, I'm going to Jerusalem. As I told you, I'm going to be lifted up on the cross. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to fulfill the prophecies of the suffering servant of the Lord, the Messiah who dies for the sins of the world. And my glory, which is here, and my kingdom, which will come, is yet for a future time. So in verse 9 through 13, we'll close with this. It says, Now, as they came down from the mountain... He commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. They didn't, still didn't grasp it, and they would shortly. And they asked him, saying, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And then he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written of him. Elijah has come, but they did not recognize him. So with two comings of the Messiah, Elijah comes two times. So when Elijah came the first time, Jesus came to bring the kingdom and all of the spiritual aspects. So here's John the Baptist. He's really talking about John the Baptist. And they understood that. But when they came to ask John the Baptist, so are you Elijah? And he goes, no, I'm John the Baptist. <laughs> so he came, we read, in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. First, the kingdom of God comes spiritually, then it comes outwardly. In the first coming, he is a lamb. In the second coming, he is a lion. And so John the Baptist had the spirit and the power of Elijah. But before the second coming, Elijah himself will be here on earth in the flesh. The one who went up, who never died, that went up in the fiery chariots, is coming back to the earth. Every year the Jewish people have Passover, Seder, and they leave a chair in their homes. Every Jewish home leaves a chair vacant, it is reserved for whom? For Elijah. Somewhere, someday, before the Messiah comes, I can imagine, and I, I imagine it'll be in Israel, probably in Jerusalem, somewhere in some home, this guy with a robe will come sit in the chair and just stare at everybody. And they go, pardon us, but that's the chair we reserve for Elijah. He goes, mm-hmm. I'm here. And Elijah and another prophet, some in Revelation 11 think the two witnesses are Moses and Elijah. It's interesting, they're both here on the mountain. We don't know for sure, but what if? When Moses died and was, he, he was buried, God didn't let anybody get near it. He buried him in a place separate. Something mysterious about that. What if? And I know there are other, it could be Enoch is another uh, possibility. Enoch walked with God and was not. Maybe it's Enoch and Elijah. And that, that would be pretty amazing. But Moses and Elijah. What if, what if two Jewish prophets came to Israel working signs, wonders, and miracles? 
as Jewish as you can imagine. And they both come saying, Yeshua, whom we talked to on Mount Hermon, is coming back. World, repent. Humble yourselves and call on the name of the Lord. And whoever does shall be saved. In a year, that could happen. Any time, this could be what takes place. Malachi 4, 5, and 6, read it with me. Let's read this scripture out loud. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. There is coming a wave of the Spirit of God. And in fact, I, I believe it's already here. I, the Spirit of God is moving all around the world. It's happening uh, in so many different ways, in so many places. It seems like a gentle breeze now, but there are stirrings happening. We've never been at the place that we are right now. God is moving in Africa. God is moving in Latin America. God is moving throughout Asia. God is moving through the 1040 window. He's moving through the Middle East. They're having dreams and visions left. We can't even keep up with it. My friend Tom Doyle, who works in, in North Africa and the Middle East, he, he's writing a book. He said, there are too many stories of Muslims having dreams and visions, of Jews now starting to have dreams and visions in the land of Israel and even rabbis of the Lord appearing to them. And we are, we are there, it's so awesome. The King is coming. The King is coming. And any day now, we are, the, the days of Exodus are going to be revisited and God is gonna start knocking down all the idols and the false gods that this world has worshiped. So you who are God's children, you need to know, do you know what the number one idol that human beings have worshiped from time immemorial, what it's called? Money, mammon. And God is jealous. Why do you keep worshiping money that doesn't love you, care for you? You know, it, it is, it's not a person and it's not a real God. And it won't, you know, it can't heal you of some incurable disease and you can't take it with you when you die. But the living God, he's gonna knock that down and he's gonna knock down every other idol and every other thing that we have trusted in. They're gonna start, they're gonna start crashing, crumbling and falling one after another after another, and the last God standing will be the Holy One of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the only true God. He goes, I alone am God. There is no other God besides me. So, man, let's just start worshiping Him now. 2 Corinthians 3.18, read this with me and we'll close with this last verse about transformation, transfiguration. Let's read it out loud. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley important insights today on the Lord's transfiguration and how we can be changed in a similar way. Now, today's study here on Maranatha Radio is titled Transfiguration. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
www.thepeopleshow.com. When you first arrive at our homepage, when you click Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll find Pastor Ray's latest books there, too. His new books, On the Mountain of the Lord, and his latest, The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on our site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.